The right habits put you in control of your health, relationships, mindset, and more. But most people lack the tools to stick with those habits long enough to see results. That is about to change. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with your host, habit change specialist and speaker, Stephen Box. Join us each week as experts share their stories, experiences, and insights and give you the tools to build unshakable habits so you can live life on your terms. It's time to take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Box, and I am joined today by Sandra Harmon, who has over three decades of experience in trying to get relationships right. And I'm happy to say she finally did. So you're going to learn all about that today. Sandra, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I love that. I love that intro because <laughs> it's all true. It really is all true. So before we jump into your story today, I do want to remind our audience about the unshakable framework that we want to view these stories through. And the framework is very simple. The first step is you need to have a vision. Now, a vision is how you envision literally your life looking. What kind of actions are you taking? What kind of person will you be? And that's different than a goal, which is tied to a very specific outcome. Most of the time, something we don't really have a lot of control over. Then in order to get that vision, you're either going to need to utilize some skills that you've already developed, or you're going to need to develop some new skills or improve on some of those existing ones. And in order to do that, we have to go to the third part of the framework, which is daily or repetitive actions that actually build up those skills. So as you're listening to Sandra's story today, be sure to look out for her vision, the skills that she had to build, and the actions that she took to build them. Because that's what's going to allow you to take her story and transfer it to your life so that you can go from unsustainable to unshakable. Hmm. So Sandra, take us through your story. What Take us back to the beginning of three decades. Ah, yes. Okay. So I, I often say that I was kind of like, when it came to relationships, I was like Goldilocks, right? I And just as a, a side note, business was always great. It was easy. I developed software. I ran companies. I helped a lot of startups as interim executive. And that was all fine and good, but my relationships sort of sucked. And then I even went off to Vietnam and started a nonprofit there. Same thing. Great nonprofit relationships kind of sucked. So I kept looking at myself like, okay, first, I had three long-term relationships. The first one was like too hard. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's like, this is just too hard. The next one was just too soft, I guess you could say. And the third one, right in the story of Goldilocks, was supposed to be just right. My experience of it was actually worse than the first two combined. Mm -hmm. And I was very determined. Each relationship is about uh, <laughs> eight to 10 years. So I, I was determined and I kept trying to oh. do 
all of the things that I thought would get me the love that I wanted because, you know, this is the realm of romantic relationships yeah. and, and it just didn't work. And actually, as I was listening to like your framework, what, what I found is it's not so dissimilar to what happened. I mean, I kept trying to do like, well, if I do this, if I'm a more perfect person, if I, um, I don't know, if I make sure to, this wasn't true, but just as an example, if I made sure to have dinner ready every day at six o'clock, then he would love me and we'd be happy and right, live happily ever after. Yeah. And all the doing in the world doesn't really help without that vision. So I really, I really love how, how you frame, how you frame this, but the way I got to what I, to where I am now is at about 49, I guess it was, so it was, you know, almost three decades into kind of having relationships. I, um, I really just hit bottom and I, I didn't know if it's possible. And I think that's one thing with visions is you kind of have to believe that you can, that there's a possibility of having what you're visualizing. Otherwise, it's too easy to say, oh, no, I can't have it. And I was so lucky to meet a woman that it was, it was at a business conference and she was up on stage. She runs a manufacturing company. And anyway, we were, we were working together. It was the first time I'd met her, but I saw her come off stage. Linda Shea goes over to her CFO, Frank Maggio. And they're like holding hands and they're so adorable. They look like, you know, teenagers in love. So I figured, you know, one of them was divorced. One of them was recently widowed and they got together at the office and they're having this little office romance because they just looked so in love. I found out they'd been married at that time, 34 years. Wow. And they looked like, yeah, they looked like newlyweds, like they were in love. And I didn't know that was possible. Certainly from my experience, I didn't know that was possible. Like, yeah. how is it that you could be in your middle 60s, 70s and look like teenagers in love? And I decided I wanted to find out. So one of the best things that happened is I got to learn from Linda, like what her lived experience of being in love was. And it was nice because I, you know, we were talking before we got on about how you can either have a framework or you can kind of just do the framework without really knowing what you're doing. Yeah. She actually had had a different, a difficult relationship with her husband and went through learning and understanding herself and created her own little framework that she was yeah. teaching to me. So it was, I got to see real tangible examples of what I envisioned. And then I got to work with somebody who was kind of giving me the hints of like, yeah, this is what happened to us today. I also um, got a chance to study in India. Um, I was over there learning to be a meditation instructor and then a wisdom teacher or consciousness transformer, they call it, with a group called ACAM. Picture, you know, like the big marble you know, <laughs> temples, amazing place, amazing place to go. But they had written the book. There's a couple that started it, Pritaji and Krishnaji, and they'd written a book called Freedom in Relationships. And it was really 30 meditations to help people 
understand kind of what's going on within themselves that's preventing great relationships. And for all the training I did, I, I still said, look, the only thing I want to teach are these 30 meditations because it's so important to me to help other people not suffer for as long as I did in relationships. You know, I was almost 50. And I know there's people out there listening right now that are suffering or are afraid of suffering in a relationship. And how do you help? Because there is a way. It's not like it's it's not like it's some lottery. It's not like, oh, some people are lucky and some people aren't. Because Linda taught me that. Um, Pritaji and Krishnaji taught me that. And then I also learned from Alison Armstrong, who's a woman super well-known in some circles, not well-known in other circles. But she is um, known for understanding men. She did a lot of research um, with men and understanding, you know, how actually how amazing they are. <laughs> I think she tells a story how she started to interview them wanting to know that that enemy, but she realized that men are actually really awesome. So I spent about two and a half years working with her on a program where I was doing hours and hours, hundreds of hours, researching and interviewing hundreds of people and teaching different topics. So all of these things together, the mentoring I had received, the the consciousness changing exercises in India, and then the interviews that I had done with so many people really gave me the certainty that there is a way to stay in love. There really, really is. And and can I can I share with you some of the things I learned? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Before, before you do, though, I, I, I want to kind of rewind a little bit and go through some oh. of the stuff you've already dropped on. So one thing that, that stood out was you talked about how you had all of this success in different areas of your life, but your relationships were struggling. Yeah. And I, I'm sure part of that was the time and the effort that you had to dedicate to having all that success had an impact on your relationship. Because that's one thing I always teach people is how all those things are intertwined with each other. But I think another thing that we often overlook, and I think I hear this more from female clients than male clients, but you you may be able to tell me if, if you've had the same experience, is when you have that kind of success and then you have an area that you don't have success, it's just so frustrating because you're like, why am I struggling in this area? I know how to be successful in everything else. Why can't I not do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that I found, especially from for myself and a lot of the women I work with, I lived mm-hmm. in New York for a long time where more women are in what I would call hunting mode, <laughs> more than gathering mode, one being a more masculine energy, one being a more feminine energy. And yeah, that's, that comes up a lot. It's like, how can I be so successful? And then the, the questions and blame come up like, well, you know, men aren't able to handle a strong woman. That's one you hear. Or, um, you know, men, men just uh, like, what are they? They can't be emotionally available. That's another one I hear. But what, one of the things that I see with others, and I, I saw it from my own past, is that a relationship kind of operates on a different basis than traditional business, right? I was a COO, CFO, president of a variety of companies. How you run a business is kind of the opposite of how you run a relationship. Like you're not running a relationship. Right. 
And, <laughs> and if you start with that, that it's, it's a different skill set. There's a completely different skill set to being in love than there is to accomplishing things. Because in a business, you are trying to achieve something, right? There's something you're trying to achieve, new clients, you're trying to achieve more revenue. You know, you could be somebody on a factory line, you're trying to achieve a certain amount of throughput. At pretty much every business and every role in the business, you're trying to achieve something. Yep. Relationships are a little different, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more about that heart-to-heart connection, that in love part, right? Not the, oh, we're yeah. going to stay together for the kids, but the, that feeling you get, that feeling you get, the tingly feeling of, wow, you know, we're, we're together. We're like, we're like one. And so it's similar, it's similar in a way, but totally the opposite. And, yeah. and I guess that's, that's why I said when you were going over your framework, I could see how even relationship success, I don't want to, I can't think of another word off the top of my head, yeah. falls into a framework like that, but it's just, yeah. it's just slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you, that you point out, and I hope that everyone wrote this down. If not, you should go back and write it down now. You do not run a relationship the same way you run a business because you don't run a relationship. <laughs> There's a reason they're not the same because it's, you know, it's not the same thing. Right. Right. And it's. Something, so something else that you mentioned, and I think it actually goes right along with that is you, you talked about how you had this idea, right. Of, oh, if I fix dinner every day at six o'clock and you know, dinner's already ready, then he'll love me. And we talked about in the beginning with the framework, how you need to have a vision and not a goal. And what you had was a goal. You were trying to figure out how do I make this person love me? What action can I take to make that happen? And then later on, when you talked about the meditations, you used a different phrase. And it was all about realizing what is within us. And I, I just love that that contrast that you provided because, and, and I'm sure that as you tell us what you learned, you're going to kind of share a little bit more about this, but I wanted to point it out because I want people to really start to listen for what are those subtle differences between you're trying to run your relationship, you're trying to manage it, you're trying to achieve goals, you're trying to get a specific action out of the other person versus understanding what's inside of you. So I, I just I love the fact that you that you really brought all of that out in your story. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you for that. Oh, thank you. And thank you for pointing it out. I I love I love hearing what resonates with people because that would be something I would I might say and it would just be a throwaway. It's like, oh, okay, there's some importance to it because it Yes. <sighs> Let me tell you some of the things that I learned. And I'm I'm yes, and then I'll see if I can put into your framework, because it really does belong there. One is that I believe that we're really born to connect. Like we fall in, like we fall in love, pretty much anyone I have ever talked to, spoken with has at one point in their life fallen in love yeah. 
without being taught how to fall in love. Like it just happens. It happens naturally. It happens with, you know, not just people, but you can fall in love. Like I'm in New York right now. I fell in love with New York. I just love New York. And you can fall in love with a job, like all these, it's kind of this emotional experience that's coming more from your heart than your head. Right. Like I moved to New York, I don't know, 20, 20 or 15 years ago. And there was no good reason. I just wanted to be here. Right. So it's not, it's not that intellectual approach. Whereas I had had a very intellectual approach later on after having been hurt in relationships, I switched over into a, I'm smart. I'm a CFO. I'm used to spreadsheets. I am going to spreadsheet what I'm looking for in a man and, and all the men I date. I'm, I, I had this spreadsheet and it was all these characteristics that were important to me, all the men that I was dating and some people that were just my role models. And, and then, and then I, I took it a step further. I would put weighted averages for each one of the characteristics because some, some characteristics were more important than the others. And I was so excited because I figured I could like use my mind to, to figure this out. And I took my spreadsheet to my, to my mother's husband, my stepfather, who they have this beautiful, they actually have a beautiful relationship, but I, I just never could see it until I'd met Linda. So anyway, I'm taking this spreadsheet over to, to Bob's his name. I'm like, Bob, look, I've got it. Here's the spreadsheet. You just figure, fill out the spreadsheet. and it's all, It all works. It'll be perfect. And he looked at me and he's like, I don't think relationships work that way. And I'm like, no, for me, it does. <laughs> for me, it does. I'm going to make it work. And I, I learned then, after all this work, that he was right. Mm. Right? It's not a logical thing. It's a feeling. It's an yeah. emotion. And you can't apply the same sort of like metrics to it. Yeah. Now, what you can do, though, is you can have a vision. And what, well, okay, I want to back up a little bit because you fall in love. People fall in love. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Things come up. We get hurt. And we do something with that hurt. And that's, to me, the key um, discipline and exercise So you fall in love, you're happy, you're connected, your heart sings, you know, you feel like one. And then something will happen. You'll feel disrespected or you'll get your feelings hurt or you'll be disappointed. And then you start to build up a wall Mm -hmm. because you don't want that. You don't want to feel like that. You don't want that to happen again. So you figure out the strategies, how to not have that happen again. And, And it's in that moment of building up the wall that you cut out love because now you're not connected anymore. You're not like that feeling of oneness. So really the daily practice that I still have is releasing as quickly as possible. All those little hurts that build up, all those little disrespects that build up, all those little annoyances that build up because it starts small. In fact, one of my favorite type of people to work with are particularly women, actually, yeah, mainly women on this, women who are in a new relationship. Because if you can, within the first year, get in the habit of releasing those hurts, Mm -hmm. then you can stay connected. And if you 
get in the habit of holding on to the hurt or building walls to protect yourself from the hurt, then that's the habit you're building going forward. And it's going to make you, you know, in 10 years go this way. You start off going this way, you know, you kind of keep going. That's like whatever direction you're in. Right. Right. So the habit is releasing hurt, but how do you do that? And for me, the first thing was really research into a couple things. Because I think people have this vision or they have this goal. They have this idea that I'm going to fall in love and I'm never going to have my feelings hurt. I'm never going to be disappointed. I'm never going to be annoyed. I'm never going to um, feel betrayed. All these things. We think that's the vision or the goal. Yeah. But it can be both. Right. And, and that's really not practical. Because what I found, there's one one topic of research I was doing, which was talking about how women experience hurt, whether they're in a feminine mode and how they experience hurt when they're in a more masculine mode. So I was researching all of a whole bunch of women about this. And I was I was researching with men about their the effect of having women who are hurt around that, but that's another story. And what I found is that the women who were in great relationships. Linda Shea included. I started with her. I said, you know, has Frank ever hurt your feelings? Oh, yeah. Yesterday, he did this, this, and this. You know, he looked at a piece of mail and he threw it out. And and I thought it was something important. And he anyway, she went through this whole story that had just happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. And other people that were in great relationships, it would be, oh, yeah. You know, so-and-so, you know, my husband, my boyfriend, my, my partner. Yeah, just two days ago, they did this. Yeah. The people that were in difficult relationships, when I asked that exact same question, would say, yeah, three years ago, three years ago, he did this. Yeah. And and that was actually the beginning of my looking at what turned into the book, The Power of Ouch. Because we don't, rec- if we recognize the ouch and we let go of it and we work through it, then we wake up the next day and it's fresh again. And I, I talk about how, you know, when we hurt ourselves physically, we go, ouch, right? And we take care of the wound. We don't start moving furniture around yet. We take care of the stubbed toe first. We might need to put a bandaid on. We take care of our own feeling, the own injury before we do anything. And in relationships, so many times we don't even say that our feelings have been hurt. We hold it inside or we blame the other person, which doesn't dissolve it, or we blame ourselves, mm-hmm. which is is not dissolving anything. Right. Or one of the things that visions come in is sometimes people will visualize a future where they won't be hurt for whatever external reason. Yeah. And this can happen like when we get married, then everything will be fine. When we have children, when we retire, and I imagine that you're looking at this a lot more in business, but I've got to believe it's a little bit the same. Because if you put into the vision the idea that then I'll be happy and then I'll be fulfilled, Mm -hmm. you will be miserable. Like if you're waiting for some external event to make you feel joy, make you feel connected, make you feel love, it's, you're going to wait. Yeah. 
the one. So one of the tricks is realizing, I don't know if it's a trick. One of the truths is realizing that like we have that love within us and it's a matter of just not blocking it, right? Growing the love within us and not blocking it by blame, by self-blame, by running, by hiding, all these things that we do. Um, and it's rude is to try and prevent us from being hurt again. Like we don't want to feel that same way. You know, somebody gets breaks up with a two people break up and now one or both of them are like, I never want to experience that again. I never want to feel that broken heart. It's so horrible. And all the strategies that we put in place, which are very complicated, including I'm not going to connect with somebody until something else happens. Yeah. What? You can connect. I like you. If you don't have an open heart, the other person can't connect with you anyway. So whatever you fear is going to happen because you don't have an open heart to be able to connect in a relationship. Um, So when I look at vision, I look at how is it that you want to feel in a relationship? Because you know we we were saying earlier, you can't. You know you don't run a relationship, you can visualize how you want to experience that relationship, which is another definition of have, right? Have a relationship or what's the experience of it? There's, you know, have a good time. Like what's your experience of it? So taking a look at that, you go, well, I want to experience joy, for example, Mm -hmm. in my relationship. Great. Well, you kind of take it backwards. And the first thing you have to do is you have to be joyful. Yep. Or if you want to experience, you know, playfulness in your relationship, well, you have to be playful first. And if you want to be playful, it's probably already part of your nature. And it's just those things that we don't have the habit of releasing that get in our way. Yeah. And it's, it's constant. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the, the way I see the simple path of releasing and releasing. To me, that's the habit. Yeah. So, so you talked about a couple of things here that I just, I'm so fascinated by. So the first thing is we can't avoid the hurt, right? Yeah. It's something that we we come up with, like you say, we come up with all these strategies for it. We try to figure out, okay, I never want to experience that again. I don't want to deal with that. How do I avoid that? Yeah. And the reality is, and I've talked to other you know guests about this as well in terms of creating habits, which is the struggle is usually where most of the growth happens. And there's a difference between going through pain and going through struggle. And the biggest difference a lot of times is what's happening in here and in our Mm -hmm. brains, because it's like you said, when you don't let go of what you perceived as a slight or disrespect that the other person probably didn't intend to be that way at all. Yeah. You don't let go of that. You know, there are times where someone legitimately has disrespected you and maybe they did it on purpose. And then that becomes the point you go, you know, am I in the right relationship? Do I need to get out of here? You know, and I'm sure you can kind of dive into how do you know 
when it's just in your head and you need to make changes versus what does it look like to actually be in a bad relationship that you just need to get out of. Right. Um, but the other thing that you said, and I love this. So when people are creating a vision, the three words that I took that people should look out for is if, when, and then if your vision includes if, when, or then, you're probably setting yourself up for something that's not realistic or you're hoping for some magical thing to happen before you start taking action to be happy. Hmm. Yes. I love that. I never looked at those three words embedded into what I call daydreaming. Like for me, that's the difference. Vision is this is how my life is going to unfold. And I call that if <laughs> when, then I call that daydreaming. Yeah, It's like, I'm going to sit there. It's like, I'm unhappy now. So I'm going to daydream, you know, if I win a million dollars, <laughs> then I'll be happy. <laughs> right. Um, and I love that. I love, I love those three words in there. I never noticed them. You, and, even trying to be positive and say, when a million, when I win a million dollars, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Because Otherwise we'd all be millionaires. Right. And if, and certainly in a relationship, because it's all emotion-based, it's changeable almost instantaneously. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're, you know, upset with something, upset with something, and then all of a sudden you see some, you look at it in a different way, and you're like, oh, and then all the tension resolves. Yeah. What, what I do is, and you were talking about in your mind, like how much of it is in your mind. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, so in my book, The Power of Ouch, I kind of have it broken down into three pieces. The first piece is recognizing when we're putting up a wall, because we might not look at it, but it's easy to recognize when we're blaming someone. It's easy to recognize when we're running away from someone. It's easy to recognize all the other, I don't know, there's like 12 of them, things that we do rather than dissolve the hurt. Then the second section goes over a method of releasing the tension that we get. Mm -hmm. You know, it actually hurt. You know, that's why we say it's like a heartbreak because it hurts. Yeah. Even if it's something little, you know, there's mm -hmm. tension involved. You know, somebody doesn't call you when he says he's going to call you. There's tension involved. How right. do you release that tension in your body? Um, yep. And do you want to? Some people like having the tension, so you can't work on something, you, do, you know, if you like it and you want to stay that way because it makes you feel safe, you can't change. So don't keep reading further. Um, but how do you release the tension in your body? And then the last part is all about the mental stuff that's underneath the hurt. Yeah. And, and I, I, we're talking about like acronyms. I use MESS, M-E-S-S. -S. And the first one is really exercises and different ways of looking at the meanings that we have for things. Because if you have a meaning that if somebody, for, we were talking about my coffee, right? I, I could have had the coffee situation not work out well, and I would have chosen to keep waiting in line to get my coffee, and I would have been late for our call. And you could have the meaning that anyone who's late for a call is so disrespectful and such a bad person that, you know, I should never talk to them, right? Because it means being late could mean disrespect. Right. To other people, especially I moved down to um, Puerto Rico recently, 
being late, there's no meaning to disrespect, right? It's just, you know, you things happen at the flow that they happen. So yeah. looking at your meaning and is that meaning serving you? And what are the other possible meanings? Because we get attached to one. We think there's only one meaning. It must mean that yeah. they disrespect me. Could be all these other things. So then the next thing, E, is looking at expectations. Because we can have an expectation that comes from either real life um, events. You know, it's like you wake up every single day and when you put your feet on the floor, the floor holds your weight, right? It happens every day. So now you can expect it. You can expect the sun to rise because it happens every day. But unlike floors and the sun, people change. Yep. Right? And a expectation you might have with one person is not how another person behaves. You know, you are used to in your family always celebrating Christmas in a certain way. You're now in a relationship with somebody and it's time to celebrate, you know, Christmas if that's your the holiday you celebrate. Yeah. And and they do it completely differently. Like, how can that be? How can that be that they don't give gifts? What's wrong with these people, right? Because you had that expectation having grown up in a family in a certain way. Right. And the other thing that can happen is you can have an expectation solely based on your own visions of the future. Yeah. So you might have this expectation that, you know, I'm going to meet this person and they're going to bring me flowers every single day. And they're going to bring me flowers every single day. And so you create your own expectation, even though it's not real. Yeah. And so expectations, you can't live without expectations. So I'm completely not one of the people that say, you know, don't have any expectations. You need expectations. Otherwise, you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Right. But where you feel that tension, because an expectation didn't work out the way that you thought it would, mm -hmm. you need to adjust your expectation. Because yeah. reality is one way and you're holding on to something that is not true. So you can actually look at anytime you're getting your feelings hurt, disrespected, all these things, these, I call them ouches, right? Any, anything that's yeah. ouchy in a relationship, you can look at as an opportunity to dive into what were the meanings because it's probably a not workable one. And there's so yeah. many, you can assign any meaning. There's probably some expectation that you need to upgrade your software, right? Come up with, <laughs> you need new expectations. It could be the stories that we tell ourselves. Like we always have these stories going on in our mind. And if somebody's not playing their role or you're not playing your role, then you're, it's going to feel ouchy. Well, look at that story. You know, is there a different story? Do you need a story at all? Which is kind of hard. And then the last one is strategy because this is where it ties back into business a little bit. You know, you talk about all the business strategies and, you know, if you do this, then they will do that. Well, the thing about strategy is it disconnects you. Yeah. Just by saying at, or asking the question, because I'll get, I'll get people asking me this question, you know, how do I get my partner to do blank? Mm -hmm. You have just, you're trying to create a strategy. The question itself has disconnected you. Like you are no longer in the relationship because yeah. you are treating that person as an enemy. Right. Like you're going to, you're, you're trying to like, when you go to somebody else saying, you know, how do I get somebody to? Mm -hmm. You're 
like manipulating. You're trying to manipulate. <laughs> You're trying to, right? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I love, I love women. We're, we're so great. They're like, oh, no, I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm just trying to influence. I know. <laughs> You're really trying to manipulate. Because if you were on the same side of the table, you would be sitting together yeah. and having that conversation. So those are the components of mess. And then the last one is the mess gets even messier with you. And so it's messy. And the you is obsessive self-centric thinking that it's all about you. Somebody needs to make you feel right. Yeah. Make you feel loved. And I the earlier question you had about you know how do you know about whether you should stay or you should leave and maybe somebody disrespected you, you felt disrespected and it wasn't intended, or maybe they intentionally disrespected you. Mm -hmm. What about that? Well, think about it. If somebody, when we're assuming that you guys were in love, you were connected. At some point, there was that connection, that oneness. And now all of a sudden, they said something to intentionally disrespect you. They're hurting. Yeah. Underneath them wanting to hurt you, there's something that that's an ouch for them. And rather than now all of a sudden going on the opposite side of the table, get on the same side of the table and see what's going on. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, we tend to re we tend to get our own reactions. So we're not in a place of love and connection where we can sit down and say, "Sweetie, you know." That was super harsh. What's going on? Yeah. Instead, it's like you said something, you know, you yelled at me. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. I'm going to go get a, I'm going to read 10 books to tell me that you shouldn't yell at me and then how to get you to stop yelling at me. As opposed to recognizing that anytime someone's disconnecting, there's a hurt underneath it. Yeah. That, that's, that's really, really powerful stuff. Mm. You know, I mean, I think that there's obviously situations that we wouldn't want to encourage people to stay in. Like if someone is physically abusing you, you don't, that's not a relationship you want to stay in. But I think what you said there is so powerful that we have to kind of put down our own things. And, and I just want to run through these real quick to make sure for all of our list people that I got this right. So the first M and messy is meaning. The E is for expectations. The first S is for story. So th those are the stories that we tell ourselves or that we've been kind of brought up on. The second S is strategy. And then the Y is you. Meaning yeah. that you have to accept responsibility for the fact that when things are messy, the person that you have to blame is the one in the mirror. <laughs> well, you know, I let me rephrase that a little bit because self-blame itself, blame itself disconnects you. So that, that whether you're blaming somebody else or you're blaming yourself, that is disconnecting because somebody can't be connected to you if you're so, oh my God, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe I did that. In that moment, you no longer are connected. The why is this idea that it's all about you, obsessive self-centric thinking, where it's okay. constantly, it's about me, it's about me. You should be the way, you know, I think things should be. Yeah. You should be doing what I think you should do. Well, crazy place that I saw a perfect example of this was um, there's a website, in, you know, in New York, we're always looking for apartments um, called apartment.com. 
that's great about decorating apartments too, but there's a, like a question and answer section to apartments.com. And somebody wrote in and said, you know, I've got this roommate. So it's, you know, no romantic relationship, but I have this roommate and this roommate is always leaving dirty dishes in the sink. And, you know, how do I get them to stop? Because it's so disgusting and, you know, it's so wrong and we're sharing this apartment together and he needs to stop. And the response that the, the person who was answering these questions gave, I thought was beautiful. Because she said, you know, it's his apartment too. Maybe he likes to have dirty dishes. Maybe there's a good reason for him to have dirty dishes. How can you, as the other roommate, insist that someone be different, insist that they're wrong? And that just kind of blew my mind because I realized yeah. that what it would be like to be with somebody that had some standard that you didn't necessarily have and yeah. them making you wrong about it as opposed to, hey, you know, I'm sure there's a great reason why you like to go you know, to bed. I, I feel uncomfortable. Would you give me the gift of cleaning up? And if you, if so, is there any way I can help support you? Because it would be a gift to me. It's you're awesome. Yeah. It would be just a gift to me because I can't figure out how to, you know, how to deal with this. Or maybe just do the dishes yourself because you're the one who cares about them. But do you yeah. see that was so such an exact opposite of, of how I thought that somebody in an apartment website was going to answer a question, right? Somebody was, was actually looking for strategies to try and fix their roommate. Mm-hmm. And the conversation and the teamwork would be, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is how I feel. You're totally cool. Yeah. Right? So now, it might be I that – can, can I just keep going? Because it, it ties in a little yeah. bit to what yeah, I you're dead. Sorry, you get out of a relationship. Because it might be that you can't get over having somebody who doesn't want to do dishes. Like, you just can't. And that's just who you are. And that's cool. We all have these things that we just have to have. Hopefully it's a short list, not a long list, but there are just things that we yeah. have to have. And if we can't have that with our roommate, <laughs> right, or our partner, then at that point, it makes sense to separate. But then it's still from connection. It's like, hey, we love each other. I can't get over the fact that you want to have um, grilled cheese sandwiches left in the sink. And he's like, and I can't not leave my grilled cheese sandwiches in the sink. And I, neither one of us is wrong. We just have a different way we want to live. So we can't be together. Yeah. So, and same thing. So anything where it's abusive or, you know, or feeling um, like you're not able to be who you need to be in the world, of course, don't be part of the relationship, but you can do it still connected. You can stay connected and split up. I, I I love the way that you that you phrase that. I, I do want to go back just a little bit to to your example here with the dishes because I think it's such a great example of really our entire conversation. You can really kind of wrap everything into this analogy, right? <laughs> Where when you think about the dishes, so like you know when I said you know you're blaming the person in the mirror, you know. I guess for me, and I love the fact that you 
kind of pointed this out because for me, I don't look at blame as a negative, mm. um, but I totally get where other people do um, because I've, you know, over the years in developing habits, I use blame and responsibility interchangeably. And okay. so I look at it as I'm responsible for me. That doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that I'm a bad person because I did something. Yeah. It just means that if I didn't like the outcome, I have the power to do something different, right? So yeah. to me, it's an opportunity, which is a positive, not necessarily a blame. But I love the fact that you pointed out because it goes to what you said, right? That's my expectation. That's my meaning. That doesn't mean that other people are going to take it the same way. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate that, actually. But when you look at this dish thing, right? <laughs> so here's here's what stuck out to my mind almost automatically. And it was so interesting. So when you said, you're the one who has a problem with the dishes. If it bothers you that much, you wash them, right? Yeah. But you also talked about the importance of letting go. Because we all know what happens when you decide to wash the dishes, right? You start to have resentment towards the fact that you have to wash the dishes. Yeah. Although you were the one who wants the dishes washed in the first place. Yeah. So really what it comes down to is you're mad that this person isn't giving you what you want. You're mad that you're having to now do the work to get what you want because we're not accepting the fact that we're the one who wanted it, yeah. that that person never wanted it. So like you said, if it comes down to a point where, you know what, if you talk to this person and you're just like, hey, you know, this is something that really bothers me. Is this something that's like super important to you to have? Or are you yeah. cool with like actually washing your dishes and not leaving them here? And the person says, no, I absolutely have to have dirty dishes. In the sink. <laughs> right? just, like, I love my dirty dishes. It's <laughs> part of the aesthetic, right? Then maybe that's a relationship that you go, you know what, this isn't going to work because we clearly have two very different things. And this bothers me that much. But if yeah. you go, you know what, you don't want to wash the dishes, that's fine. I don't mind washing them. Right. So, you know, and then maybe there's something that you do that annoys that person that they're willing to pick up the slack for you. And now you've both taken something off each other's plates and you're both happy. Right. So <laughs> sometimes it's finding that compromise. Yeah. And that's the thing that I would look at, like in a truly like partnership kind of relationship that. Well, I'll I'll wash the dishes because you won't because you should, but I'm going to do it anyway, and therefore now I've got a point. So now when I need you to do when like when I'm doing something that you don't want me to do, and you have to do it because I was doing the dishes. That 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 is also on the on the opposite side of the table, right? You're not working together. Yeah, um, that person has to decide they want to do it for you. You can't ask them to do it for you. It's not a yeah. It's not a point yeah, and, system. Yeah. And even that, like, honestly, I, I have this with my, I have this with my husband about socks on the floor. I know it's a small thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a really small thing, and I used to use it a lot with a, a friend of mine when we would use it as an example. And what do you know? All of a sudden, it showed up, and I was seeing socks on the floor, which I I value clean floors. And it was interesting because if you think about it. Am I valuing a clean floor by just picking the sock up? Mm -hmm. Or is there something that means something if he picks it up? Because honestly, picking up a sock, washing dishes, it takes two seconds. But, right. you know, a sock left on a floor can drive some people into rage. Yeah. I mean, obviously things have built up. But think about it. 
the thing in your mind that's going to make you happy isn't a clean floor. Because if you just wanted a clean floor, you would pick that sack up. Yeah. You want somebody else to do something for you. And there's some kind of meaning or expectation or something in there where you're wanting somebody else to be, be a certain way and do things automatically and for your pleasure and whatever it is. It, it, everybody has different meanings and different expectations. But if you really look at it, like why, if I value a clean floor, why don't I just pick up the sock? There's something else under it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's, I think it all comes back to this one very simple idea, which is that ultimately it's up to us to decide what we want in our lives, right? So yeah. do you want to be stressed out by the sock on the floor? Do you want to hold on to the hurt that's being caused by the sock on the floor? Or do you want to let it go and be happy? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a choice that we all get to make. Which yeah. When you understand that you can only control what you can control and you let everything else go, it's so easy to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it's, and it's that the happiness comes from you and you share it with the other person or the joy or the compassion. In fact, one of the things that when my husband and I were married, our wedding vows weren't, oh, you know, we're going to stay together till death do us part. It went along the lines of, I will nurture joy in my own being and share that joy with you. I will nurture compassion in my own being and then share that compassion with you. Right. I, I like things that are more about us being attentive to the state that we're in so that we can share it. Yeah. You know, and, and bringing it all back to the coffee example this morning. Right. <laughs> I'm I guess I will say I'm going to nurture energy in myself and then show up for a podcast, even if I'm late. I wasn't late, but yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you have to see what you're going to share. I'm going to, in order to share yep. energy with a bunch of people, I need energy myself. Yep. And that was, and we didn't touch on this at all, but since I was just mentioning it, it's one of the things that I see probably more with women mm -hmm. is doing the things that you need to be the best you get put on the back burner. And if you flip that all around and look at it slightly differently, that in order for you to be the best you can be, you need certain things. Yeah. And those are critical. Could It could be coffee. It could be an hour of alone time every day. It could be going on a vacation with girlfriends once a year. Whatever it is that fills you up so that you can nurture who you are to share that beautiful thing with the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's a great message. Um, you know, I think sometimes we're, we're all guilty of it. Uh, men, I think, do it maybe a little bit differently than than women do. Um, but I think that we are also guilty of 
you know, feeling like we need to be providers and protectors and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't take care of ourselves to do that. And we kind of miss the point that you can't provide and you can't protect. Right. If you don't take care of your health, if you don't manage your stress, if you die at 50, you're you're not going to be protecting or providing for anybody. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's a great message for, for men and women both. You have to take care of yourself first. You have mm-hmm. to fill up your own cup before you can fill up anybody else's. So I love it. <laughs> Yay. So, Sandra, we are at our time for the day, but I really appreciate you being here so much. And you've given us so much uh, wisdom and information today. If someone wants to get in touch with you or work with you further, how would they do that? Probably the quickest and easiest way is go to my website, Sandra Harmon, Sandra with an O. Um, dot com, SandraHarman.com. And I have I, I have fun stuff available there all the time. So whatever I'm offering that's free or fun for that month or week, it's all there. So just, I don't know. And you can always write to me at me at SandraHarman.com. I love hearing from people. It's it. I, I get most of my insights through talking to other people and looking at other possibilities and then looking and matching where I see that in myself. So I love conversations with anyone, particularly you. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Well, thank you very much. And I just want to say, if you are someone who is out there and you are struggling to find happiness in your relationship, definitely reach out to Sandra. She clearly has literally decades of experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in this and she she's really gotten her framework for helping people to get better with this down so i thank you so much for coming on and being so generous mm-hmm. to share your knowledge and your wisdom with us today and i do want to just remind everyone that you can subscribe to the unshakable habits podcast by going to our youtube channel unshakablehabits.com slash youtube or you can find us wherever your favorite podcasts are played I'll see you back next week. But in the meantime, remember to take the story that you learned today, apply that unshakable framework to it so that you can take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please subscribe at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about Unshakable Habits at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable, my friends.